Welcome back to another episode of the Junkyard Pod. I'm your host, Tony Pesta, alongside Jackson Flickinger, and Cavs and Five is very much no longer alive. Cleveland Cavaliers will face elimination on Wednesday after a devastating pair of losses in New York. We didn't quite have time to talk about Game 3 as Game 4 was right around the corner, but now we are going to discuss really what went wrong in both of those games and take a look ahead at the road back in this series. It's going to be incredibly narrow. It will not be impossible for the Cavs to make this a series again, but quite a few things are going to have to turn in favor for Cleveland after really uh, an unimpressive showing from the Cavs. Uh, Plenty to talk about. There's plenty of things the Knicks did right. Plenty of things the Cavs flat out did wrong. And I want to start out with the one thing that has remained the biggest talking point in the series, which is rebounding. The Cavs were out-rebounded 47-33, to their biggest beating of the series. The winner of the rebounding battle has won each game in this matchup. And in a series that has been decided by many, many factors, the rebounding battle has been a consistent thorn in Cleveland's side. Now, I want to start off by saying... I stand by Jared Allen's performance in games one and two. I genuinely think there's a case to be made that for the first two games, Jared Allen was maybe the best big on the floor for either team. Uh, that vanished in New York. He had just nine rebounds and 76 minutes played in New York compared to 24 rebounds in his first 76 minutes in Cleveland. Uh, in game four, I felt like there was some unacceptable effort from Allen at times. I think there were moments where he was just kind of lazily walking around the court. I think there's explanations for that, but in terms of must-win game season potentially on the line, uh, not the effort that I wanted out of Allen. And it's worth mentioning that Mitchell Robinson just flat out has dominated his role, which is much more simple. It's very simple compared to Allen's, where anytime Allen steps out of the paint to contest a shot or be the defensive anchor that the Cavs need him to be, Mitchell Robinson has one goal, and that's claim that space, dig in deep, and don't let Allen get on the boards. Uh, Jackson, what have you been seeing in the rebounding battle, and particularly Jared Allen versus Mitchell Robinson? Uh, well, it's not good. I'll say that. <laughs> um, it's This whole thing is baffling, really. Um, when we talked, like, we talked in, I don't know, March, even like the end of February, when we kind of knew that the Knicks were going to be the team that the Cavs could potentially face. It was like, well, the Knicks have been, you know, kind of a good team. They're kind of a streaky team, but really they just get a bunch of offensive rebounds and they don't shoot the three ball really well. So the Cavs will just need to really rebound against them and they should be fine. And we said that they have not just, been fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're just, we're just two, we're just two idiots who talk and write about the Cavs. Um, and it's like, we saw game one, the Cavs weren't prepared at all for the rebounding. The guards were just kind of hanging out. Like they were just playing against the Charlotte Hornets. You know, they had no interest in trying to get rebounds and they lost a game that they should have won game two. They came out and they said, Hey, uh, we got to really rebound against these guys. And they did. And then they won. And that kind of went away. And I don't, you know, Allen is the main culprit for game four, but I don't know if he's the root issue. I think the issue goes back to how the Cavs have really game planned for this series. And when you look back at these offensive rebounds that Mitch Robinson was getting, it wasn't a situation where it was like Tristan Thompson against the Celtics or the Hawks, where he's just, you know, 
just moving guys in the post, you know, just skying for rebounds. And they put two guys on him, one guy's face guarding him, but they just can't stop him. Like, no, that's not what's happening. It's, it, it all goes back to how the Cavs have been playing defense. And they've been, you know, last game they started with Darius Garland on Jalen Brunson. And their whole goal was we'll start him on, we'll start him on Brunson and we'll have Allen help at the rim. Well, Brunson is a 50, during the regular season, 55% of his shots came into mid-range. Jared Allen's not helping defend any of those shots. So what you're getting is a lot of Jalen Brunson starts driving inside and he's driving inside just to create space for a pull-up. Jared Allen takes a couple steps out of the paint. The shot goes up. Mitchell Robinson's the only one standing underneath the basket and he's getting rebounds. That was five of his seven offensive rebounds yesterday. Just me going back and looking at that so it's like yeah jared allen could be better sure but you know what would actually be better is if you know the Cavs kind of trusted their defenders to defend you know jalen brunson if the Cavs trusted their defenders to, to defend jalen brunson you wouldn't see rj barrett just blowing past this guy every time he touches the ball because his guy's closing out too hard if they trusted their defenders maybe they could get an offensive rebound and they're not giving the Knicks unlimited second chances so it's just like yeah Jared Allen looked pretty timid he looked really timid in the two games against the Knicks I thought his third quarter was really good uh in game four I thought Darius Garland did a good job of setting him up I thought he was rolling to the basket being that aggressive guy that we've seen throughout the season um, but that was too far, like too few and too far between. But I really, as much as it's like more fun to just say like, hey, the Cavs are soft. It's not a the Cavs are soft issue. It's the Cavs don't have a game plan for this team. And they're not on the same page even when trying to execute that game plan. So that's just a sign of an, a team that's not prepared for this. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, the narrative that Jared Allen is just soft, needs to get in the weight room while sure he could improve in that department. He could get a little stronger, he could play with a little more aggression at times. I think uh, selling it as that's the, the problem is that Jared Allen is getting punked on the glass because he's not strong enough. I think you're really missing the bigger problem there, which is something that we've talked about all season with the Cavs. Uh, amazing defensive team number one in defensive rating, but they have had a habit of overhelping all season. And this is where, uh, depending on the matchup, you see, oh man, why are the Cavs giving up so many wide open threes? Why do they keep giving up threes? And it's like, well, because they overhelp a lot. They really, really make an effort to protect the paint. And when you do that, you're going to give up threes. Against the Knicks, Mitchell Robinson isn't standing in the corner. He's standing right under that basket. As you mentioned, I would really encourage anyone who thinks Jared Allen is just getting tossed around to go back and look at Mitchell Robinson's rebounds. So many of them are coming from Jared Allen taking a step out of the paint to get a hand up on a shot, and the ball just goes right to Mitchell Robinson because he's the only one down there. Now we saw the Cavs adjust in game two to make a little bit more of a team effort down there to get another body on Robinson. But the reality is uh, in those situations, unless Mobley happens to be nearby, which you can argue maybe he needs to do a better job of, of crashing, but he leads all rebounders in this series, something worth mentioning. Part of that is because he's played a lot of minutes. But, you know, the Cavs, if you have Karis LeVert 
trying to win a box out or win a rebound over Mitchell Robinson, just not a matchup you're going to win very often. And so Allen has a really difficult job having to contest shots and get back into the paint to grab the rebound. And he is not making it any easier on himself when he goes into no man's land and overcommits in situations where he doesn't have to. As you mentioned, Jalen Brunson takes a lot of pull-up mid-range shots. And there are many instances where Jared Allen steps out like he's going to stop the drive, but Rob or uh, Brunson is already pulling up into the mid-range. So Allen is basically in no man's land there. That's something that can't happen. That's something that comes down to game plan, whether it's JB giving them the wrong game plan or Allen just not executing. It's impossible to know. Uh, one other thing that I want to mention that I kind of touched on with Mobley, Allen and Mobley are playing a combined 76 minutes per game. Hartenstein and Robinson are playing just 48 combined minutes. So when we talk about the Cavs getting outworked, out hustled, you know, not making the extra effort plays, well, yes, you have to find a way to dig deep and get that extra motivation to win those 50-50 balls. Even when you're tired, it is worth mentioning that there is no backup big to come in and help these guys. Moby and Allen are carrying an incredibly heavy load, and the two guys that they're going against have a very simple and defined role, which is Play your ass off for 28 minutes each and just outwork Allen and Mobley. So you're going to have instances where like uh, the play, and I think it was the second quarter, the ball is going out of bounds. It looks like it's going out of bounds. Mobley kind of relaxes. Hartenstein sprinting after it, saves the rebound. I think they get a top and three out of it. And it's like everyone killed Mobley for that. And granted, uh, yeah, he needs to make the extra effort there. He needs to go after the ball, 100%, inexcusable. But it's also worth mentioning that, hey, if the Cavs get a backup big, maybe Mobley has a little more gas in the tank and he isn't, you know, taking any opportunity he can to rest. Uh, so that is something worth mentioning, I think. It's everything that you said there is absolutely true. I mean, it's just one of the things that we see here that we've seen this whole series is just kind of, I feel like it's just a lack of trust. Like... The Cavs, you know, the Cavs don't trust Isaac Okoro on the offensive end, despite giving him heavy minutes all season. You know, the Cavs didn't trust Jetty Osman and Danny Green to varying degrees the whole season. And now it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's well, like the opposite. <laughs> that, yeah. Well, now it's like, oh, yeah, well, now we need Jetty shooting. And it's like, well, Jetty's doesn't like how many crunch time situations does Jetty have with this team? Like not like not many. He played with the core four uh, for 42 minutes in the whole regular season. Like, so it's not like, okay, well, you know, some games, some games were closing with Kara, some games were closing with Jetty. It's like, no, they were never closing with Jetty. So it's like, and then I think this is where it really shows up most, where it's like, you gotta trust, you gotta trust whoever's on Brunson. Like, I don't care if you really think Darius Garland's the best player to guard him, which he's not. Um, but whoever you put on him, you just got to trust him because all of these issues are coming up from them trying to like kind of stop every single issue instead of just conceding something like, hey, we're going to let if Jalen Brunson wants to kill us. OK, that's fine. But we're going to get all the all the rebounds for all of his misses. We're not going to let RJ Barrett go off. You know, we're going to keep Julius Randle contained. It's like, but they're not, they're not doing that. And that's why it's just this constant downstream effect of, oh, they're trapping. Oh, they pass it out to RJ Barrett. He has a guy closing out on him too fast. He gets an easy layup. It's like, that's why 
things just snowball like they do. That's why you get these 10-0 runs that are like three minutes long because it's just snowballing like that. And the rebounding is just one of like so many examples of this happening. And it all comes down to a lack of trust. I agree. Lack of trust is a really good way to put it. I think especially in the fourth quarter of game four where the Cavs kind of just relentlessly ran this trap on Brunson where no one really even seemed to be on the same page. Uh, the Knicks over and over again in the closing minutes got three on two advantages, which is like throughout the course of the game, sure, throw a trap at Brunson, try to give him different coverages. But like in closing time, you're going to give the Knicks three on two every single time down the court. Like that's just not going to get it done. It's not a good game plan. And it was even worse execution because they really did not even properly trap him which is one of the biggest things that we have, one of the biggest departures that we've seen from game two is like they trapped him very well in game two. I don't think they've recreated that at all since then. Uh, they have not trusted people to play one-on-one against him. They have given Darius Garland an unreasonable amount of time defending him, uh, which to Darius's credit, the results aren't there. He's tried. He's, he's put in some, you know, like he's contesting shots. He's being physical, but it's like, that's just not a matchup you're winning. It's not the matchup you should be going to. Uh, turning away from a Coro after all season. We talked about this so much heading into the series that a Coro was going to be so vital to slowing down Brunson. And granted, Brunson is, is not shooting very well from the floor, but no one in this series is shooting well, right? Like you almost have to grade everyone on a curve because both teams are just shooting uh, like very low 40% from the field. It's been pretty bad. But I mean, it, why would you turn away from a Cora at this point? Doesn't make sense to me. What to go back really quickly on the blitzing? I thought on the not blitzing, the, like the double team trapping. Um, in game two, they did it, but they weren't doing it like every single possession. Yeah, it's yeah, like exactly. they were doing it like a good team does a blitz in like football. You know, if you if you blitz the corner every single time, you know <laughs> you're giving up chunk plays. <laughs> but if you yep. do it twice a game. Maybe you can get a sack because it's it's throwing the it's throwing the offense you know out of their rhythm. They have to look for something different. You know, when they set a screen for Brunson, Brunson's not like, oh, this is just going to be a trap. It's like, oh, this could be a trap. This might not be a trap. It's making him react to different things. And the Cavs aren't making him react to different things if you're just auto soft trapping every single time and people aren't on the same page. Nobody's denying the ball to the nearest passer. To, to, new, to the nearest receiver. It's just like, it's crazy. And then, you know, the Okoro thing, it's, you know, the Knicks and their 19th rated defense all season, didn't it just invent, hey, we're going to like leave Okoro alone. It's been happening since the middle of last season. Once the Cavs stopped being, ever since the Cavs stopped being a pushover team, like in the middle of last season, it was like, hey guys, like we don't need to cover 35. Uh, so teams haven't been doing that, but the Cavs still had a top 10 offense while doing that. I know that the Knicks have been a lot more physical than other teams and stuff like that, but it's it's not a situation where it's like, oh, you know, Giannis is starting off guarding Isaac Okoro and he's just roaming free, just messing everything up. It's like, no, that's that's not what's happening. They're just... You know, his teammates aren't trusting him to hit the shots in the corner. His coach doesn't trust him. It's just everything that was done this whole season, it just felt like has just been undone in like, you know, five minutes, it feels like. 
Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at Okoro's numbers here. Uh, he's shooting two for 10 from the three-point line, but he's seven for 18 overall from the field. Uh, and the reason why I wanted to look at that is because I think he has done a good job of catching and trying to find other ways to be aggressive, catching and attacking right after. Uh, he's made some impressive layups. Uh, like, let's just be clear. The Knicks aren't guarding Jetty or Levert or really anyone outside of Danny Green uh, on the three-point line anymore. So it's like, why not play a core at that point? Like, they're all getting defended the same way. Uh, again, I think one of the big things with Brunson, even though the the uh, shooting percentages aren't great. He looks very comfortable ever since game two. He really has not looked like he is rushing. He has looked very much in control of what's going on. And if there's one guy on the Cavs that I think has given him a little bit of discomfort, it's Isaac Okoro. Uh, so it doesn't make sense to move away from him if you ask me, but uh, a lack of trust is something that I want to come back to uh, unless you have something else to say about Brunson here, because I was going to move on and talk about Donovan Mitchell. I was just going to say the Isaac Okoro thing. Yeah, they're not going to guard anybody in the corner because with how much pressure Allen and Mobley can put on the rim and how dynamic on ball Garland and Mitchell are, you are never going to guard the person in the corner. If the Cavs had a good three-point shooter, like a, somebody that's not any of the people that you mentioned sitting in the corner, it's not that teams would like guard him and you'd have spacing. It's, well, we have a counter like we're comfortable getting that shot, you know? And it's like, yeah, you're the Cavs. You don't really want Isaac Okoro taking no shots and stuff like that. But like, he's not the sole reason why the offense is bad. You know, when he's on the floor, he's not helping the offense be good, but like neither is Jetty or anybody else who's, who's being run out there. But Isaac is at least providing some defense, you know, maybe save Karis Levert from that conversation. Cause I think Karis has played well, but that's that's a whole separate com, uh, mm. talk. I agree. I think I think Harris has been uh, pretty good in this series, all things considered. Uh, and yeah, as as you mentioned, it's just like Okoro really isn't hurting the defense or the offense any more than the other supporting members are. So it feels very bizarre to have pulled him as quickly as you did. Uh, moving forward, as we've been talking about a lack of trust, I think that Donovan Mitchell is a little guilty of that. Uh, he really, all of our predictions on this series were prefaced by saying, as long as Donovan Mitchell is the best player on the floor, the Cavs will have a shot at winning the series. And outside of game one, I'm really not even sure if Donovan Mitchell has been the best player for the Cavs at any other point in the series. Uh, it's been a disappointing series for Mitchell. He's averaging just 22 points on 43% shooting. And, you know, his lack of scoring was most prevalent in games three and four, especially game four, where it felt like Darius Garland had really bounced back and set the stage for Donovan Mitchell to take over in the fourth and do what we traded for. Uh, but it just didn't happen. He only had two points, I believe, in the fourth quarter. No field goals in the second half prior to like a final minute floater. That was basically garbage time at that point. Uh, he finished with more turnovers than field goals in game four. And the biggest thing for me is just he did not seem like he trusted his teammates. There were so many instances where he was double teamed, which is part of the reason why he struggled to score. He was getting two bodies thrown at him every time, but he did not give the Knicks any reason to stop doing that because every time they did it, he made the wrong decision, made the wrong read. I know it's easy for me to sit up here as a podcaster and be like, Donovan Mitchell's making all the wrong decisions, but he really, you know, there was a play in the fourth quarter. Jetty sets the screen. The Knicks send two guys to Donovan Mitchell, 
Jetty's wide open. I understand maybe, you know, you would rather take a, a Donovan Mitchell pull up over two guys than give it to Jetty in that scenario. But that didn't happen because they blitzed Mitchell and he lost the ball trying to get his own shot. And that's a situation where I know it feels like maybe you want to call your own number and the Cavs need you to in the fourth, but you got to make the right play because the Knicks are just going to keep doubling you until you do. Uh, Jackson, how did you feel about Donovan Mitchell in game three and four? Uh, very bad. I thought he did a really good job in game two of getting his teammates involved and really trusting them. And we saw that even at the second half of game one, he was he was phenomenal. He had seven assists in, in route to 38 points, I believe. And you saw him like trusting his teammates and really like, okay, if you're going to double me, I can create an angle here, get something open for Allen. And he's, you know, Garland is a better passer, but Mitchell is a more physical presence. So he can kind of create, he can create, you know, mismatches and passes and angles that Garland can't. But games three and four, it felt like those turnovers that you described, there's the turnovers from somebody who's pressing, somebody who's trying just a little too hard to, you know, be, I don't want to say like to try to be like be the guy, but kind of just they're pressing and just trying too hard. And I, I think that's kind of, that's kind of what we've seen, you know, it's, it feels like watching these games, it feels like you're like, man, like Donovan just can't get to the rim. He has to settle for a million three-pointers. This is, you know, he's just, it's like, you know, he can't, he's not able to get to the spots that he can in a regular season. But it's, if you look at his shot frequency from where he's getting these shots from, they're nearly the same as they were in the regular season. In the regular season, 26% of his shots came at the rim. In the postseason, 26% of his shots are coming at the rim. You know, if you look in the mid-range, you know, in the regular season, it was 32%. In the postseason, 36. And from three-pointers, he's taken, he took 43% of his shots from threes in the regular season, and 38% of them were in the postseason. So it's like, he is seeing more people thrown at him. He's having to react to different things. But he's getting pretty similar shots, and at least in similar places that he was in the regular season. He's just not hitting him. And that kind of, when you're pressing and you're not trusting your teammates and you're not, you're kind of trying just a little too hard to step up in that moment. Sometimes that's that's the kind of things that can happen. And he's, he's not, like, he's just not playing basketball the way you're supposed to be playing basketball. And I don't think he's, like, intentionally trying to be selfish, but it's just, like, when you're reacting to what the game is, to the game in front of you, you don't make the mistakes that we've seen Donovan make in these past two games. Yeah, the the decision making has been out of character. I think uh, something has just, uh, I think it's pressing, as you said. I think he is just pressing a little much. I think a big reason for that, and I'm very glad that you brought up his uh, shot chart, because I was wondering the same thing. It felt like to me that he wasn't getting to the rim as much. It felt like maybe the Knicks were taking something away from him. They really haven't, aside from, as we mentioned, you know, throwing extra bodies at him, which is something that he saw throughout the regular season as well. Uh, Mitchell has really taken 
about the same shots that he got in the regular season. And a stat that jumped out to me is he is shooting three for 15 on open three pointers. That's something that just shouldn't happen for Mitchell. And so when you combine that with the rest of the Cavs struggling, these games being just barely where the Cavs are just barely hanging in the balance and it's like practically begging Donovan Mitchell to take over, you're going to get scenarios where he starts pressing and trying to do it himself because that's what he's here for. He's the closer. He's done it all season long. They need it. And when his shot is already not falling, uh, you're going to get these weird plays, these weird turnovers, which are incredibly damaging. Uh, I want to point out a, something that I found. The Knicks are scoring about 25 points per game off turnovers. That's first in the NBA of all the playoff teams. And they're scoring 18 second chance points per game. So when you combine that, that's almost half of their points are coming off of these types of plays. The Cavs committing turnovers and the Knicks getting extra possessions on the glass. Uh, and that is really, really damaging considering the Cavs. <laughs> I mean, I think those lottery teams for the Cavs have had played better offensively than the Cavs have played in the playoffs uh, these uh, four games. It has been very bad all around. Let's not get ahead some of ourselves here. <laughs> hey, some of we it is execution. That's true. That's true. Some of the offense is a lack of execution, but some of it is just uh, missing shots. Like Donovan Mitchell, three for 15 and on open threes. There's not much you can do if that's going to happen. One thing, one thing I do want to say is that one, if Donovan Mitchell makes some shots, they win Game Four pretty easily. I think. Um, another thing is, and I think both things can be true. There's a lot of issues with the Cavs right now, and it's not just like, man, they just gotta hit some shots. I think Game Three, the first quarter of Game Three, where the Cavs scored like 17 points, the Cavs were getting some Grade A looks, and they just weren't going. And then I felt like as the game progressed, they got really stagnant because it felt like, hey, these looks aren't going in. So they kind of were all starting to press a little bit. And then like the offense got away and then that's how they lose by like 30. Um, but, you know, game four, kind of, kind of different. But it's like, it's all connected. Like all of these issues that we see on the defensive end, it's all coming back on the offensive end as well. Like besides just like the second chance and, you know, points off turnovers and stuff like that, because they're not playing their brand of basketball. Like that's, they don't trust, they're not trusting what got them to this point to get them through this series. And we see that on the defensive end and on the offensive end, you see that as well. And I think Donovan Mitchell pressing and just trying to squeeze just a little bit too much out of you know his scoring ability is you know that's kind of like the biggest problem because donovan mitchell has been a good closer this year and all those games that he like really closed were because he was phenomenal he was on a um, heater throughout the game and you know when he did when he hasn't had it throughout the season he's been okay with just kind of you know, letting somebody else take that kind of spotlight. And it's just like, we're just not seeing the Cavs play Cavs basketball. Like that's really like, we can talk about all these issues, but it's just the Cavs aren't playing Cavs basketball. The Knicks aren't doing things that they haven't seen all season, you know? Yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. The Knicks have been playing 
a very consistent quality of basketball. It's something that they've done basically all season, the way they're winning games. Uh, of course, the shooting is down, as I said, kind of have to grade everyone on a curve in this series in terms of shooting because it's just been very weird shooting series. But the Cavs have really, I think, abandoned their identity almost to a degree. And, you know, we've said this previewing the series the Cavs work because that core four, not only, not only is it a very talented core four, but they all fit together. And I kind of joke that like when you take one of them off the board, it's like the Jenga tower falling down. The Jenga tower has fallen down every single game. They have not had a game where even all four of the players, aside from game two, they haven't had a game where all four are playing even decent. Someone is having an abysmal game or someone is completely out of it basically every game this series. And we have seen the results as everything kind of crumbles around them. I want to be very clear that there's a lot of issues and we've highlighted some of them. I don't think there's any one particular thing that you can stand out to and be like, that's the biggest problem. That's what they need to fix. I think there's a bunch of things that they need to fix. And in some ways you start fixing a couple of them and the other problems disappear. It's just so many things going wrong for the Cavs. I want to be clear because Knicks fans are very upset with me on Twitter. Yes, the Knicks are responsible for some of the things that have gone wrong. It's not like the Cavs are absolutely beating themselves, but a lot of these issues are things that the Cavs have been better at all season is the only point that I'm trying to make is that the Cavs typically do not play this bad. The rebounding, for example, the Cavs were uh, 97th percentile, I believe, with Jared Allen on the floor in rebounding. I don't know what that number is in the playoffs, but I'm telling you right now, it's not the 97th percentile. Uh, and we mentioned why this is a bad matchup for him and the Knicks are just a very good rebounding team, right? That's something that they deserve credit for it, but it's also the Cavs are playing well below where they should be. So like, it's fair. It's very fair for me to say that the Cavs have disappointed without anyone taking that as a diss to the Knicks. The Knicks have done what they needed to do to win. The Cavs have not. One thing it's like, I feel like we're kind of like overlooking the Knicks. The best thing that the Knicks have done is the Knicks have brought their brand of basketball to this series. And the yep, Cavs that, have not exactly. brought their brand, their brand of basketball. Like the playoffs are about limiting what the other team does best while trying to, you know, work around what your opponent's throwing at you and trying to like keep what you do best, trying to make that translate over into the series. And it's like, what do the Knicks do best? Well, they grab all their offensive rebounds. And you look at the series, in the regular season, they grabbed 31.8% of their missed shots, which is a great number in the playoffs they're grabbing 37.3 percent that's so much more and it's like yeah that's what the Knicks do best and they're doing it even better than what they do in the regular season and it's like the Cavs what do like what do the Cavs do best the Cavs defense. play great defense the Cavs create turnovers the Cavs protect the ball the Cavs put pressure on the rim and the Cavs have two dynamic guards who can kind of break glass in case of emergency. Well, you look at the series, the Cavs, bigs, they're not getting to the rim. The guards, besides moments from Darius Garland um, and the end of game one from Donovan Mitchell, they're not doing that. They are, they have been awful at protecting the ball. They are not trusting anybody to play regular, to play inside any type of like, base defense mm -hmm. you know it's like the Cavs when like you know when the going got tough the Cavs like abandoned their principles 
And when not even go, when it got tough, they they abandoned it after they won. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. They were like, it's like the most galaxy. They're like, hey, that brain. worked really well in game two. Let's not do it again. <laughs> it's like the most galaxy brain take. I like I, I think starting Karasovert is fine. I think having your five best players on the court to start the game and having makes it easier to have them on the court together for longer. So I'm fine with that starting, with him starting that starting Levert. But I feel like it's just emblematic of the whole thing. It was like, hey, we found things that worked in game two. We're going to pre-adjust to adjustments that we think the Knicks are going to make. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, that's not always how basketball works because sometimes you have an adjustment that, you know, your other team just can't counter. It's like, how many times have you have you seen, you know, a team say, oh, we're going to try to take away LeBron. And it's like, well, you know, just because you want to say that, you can't. You know, and we're kind of seeing, like, you know, we seem like we see that we're seeing that in the rebounding, but it's like the Cavs aren't trying to take away the rebounding. The Cavs are actually encouraging them to get more offensive rebounds. Like, the Cavs aren't trying to get downhill. They're just leaving Mitchell Robinson standing in the paint and Jared Allen standing there with them. It's like, that's where it's just, like, this whole compounding effect where it's like, you can't talk about, like, Donovan Mitchell, like, yeah, Donovan Mitchell's pressing. If he shot better, things would be good. But why is Donovan Mitchell pressing? Well, because the whole defense is just falling apart. You know, it's just this whole cascading effect where it's like, it's all connected and it's like, they're just not, it all, it just comes down to the Cavs aren't playing Cavs basketball. The Knicks are playing Knicks basketball and the Cavs haven't done anything to keep them from doing that. Yeah. Someone tweeted something along the lines of, Tom Thibodeau is putting on a clinic and he's basically just watching JB do stuff because JB is just like smashing all the buttons when there wasn't anything needed to be pressed. Like I believe, if, I believe that was um Ziggy, Ziggy yeah, Akron. Yeah. I believe that was them. He, <laughs> mm-hmm. he, yeah, he's right. It's <laughs> just, it's, it's making adjustments when you don't have to, I will push back very slightly on Karis Levert starting just because uh, at the end of the day, it's like you want that unit closing. So I don't think it's that big of a deal to argue about who was starting or not. Like that's the five you want on the court and your best moment. So whatever. But I do think uh, a core in the starting lineup for me made sense only because I think you had kind of pushed Karis Levert and really he asked to come off the bench and he had grown comfortable in that role. And I think there's a degree of Mitchell and Garland kind of like you want the ball in their hands as much as possible, especially to start the game and kind of build a rhythm. But the bigger thing for me isn't about who's starting. It's just the fact that Okoro vanished from the rotation. Like that's the bigger issue. It's not that Levert was starting. It's that Okoro basically just got yanked completely out of the rotation. We will skip past this mostly, but Ricky Rubio, I think that's all that needs to be said. Don't know why you would go back to Ricky Rubio when there was a stretch in game three where he wasn't awful. And so it's like, well, we might as well do that again. Uh, That worked in game four. Uh, And it's just so many things where it's like, you hit it on the head. The Cavs have not played Cavaliers basketball. This is not the team that we, well, we have seen this team throughout the season at various points, but it is not the team that has played winning basketball. It's not the team that has won 51 games. It is things that they should have learned from that they didn't. And now they're making all those same mistakes at the worst possible time it's the worst possible mistakes and it's like (sighs) it's like i it's just so it's just so frustrating so yeah we're just gonna let the ricky rubio thing sit just because it's like 
nothing against him. It's just like it's a really bad matchup for him with how physical mm-hmm. they've been, and it's like you know they're just ignoring him, and it's like he's he's taking he, one field goal. He's just not. <laughs> so he just can't. He just can't. He like. This isn't a series where he could provide something. So it's like, if you wanted to get a spark, it's like, hey, like, why not Lamar Stevens or something like that? It's just so weird because it's like, I just don't get it where it's like the guys that like JB has like, you know, it's been like throughout the whole season. It's like, it's like, oh, the Cavs get down by four points. JB looks out and says, Lamar, we need to, you know, we need you in here. You know, he had. Lamar had that one game where he guarded Luca pretty good. And then yep. he got like three months of starting lineups because of it. And like <laughs> the lineup was very much not working. And it was like, just like, just an over-reliance on like, you know, JB's guys. And then it's like in situations where it's like, Hey, like, I think like, you know, one of JB's guys makes a lot of sense here. And it's like, no, so it's just like okay <laughs> yeah it's, it, just, it's just it's just not it's mind-boggling i you know we've defended jp all season and we won't go too deep into it but it's just like some of the decisions i i can't wrap my head around the one thing that has really frustrated me and i'm someone who really hasn't even like entering the series i figured lamar stevens would be out of the rotation and maybe he would get a chance at some point like games three and four if there was ever a moment where JB is going to deploy Lamar Stevens and give him a chance, it was somewhere in games three and four. I am stunned that in a series that has become the, like the talking point has been physicality and toughness. The Cavs aren't tough enough. And while I think it's a little overblown, there was some of that in game four with Allen being a little timid, the Cavs overall just getting a little roughed up. And I'm not complaining about the refs. It's not, I'm not talking about officiating. I'm just saying the Knicks are being very physical and it's like, how did you not go to Lamar Stevens before going to Ricky Rubio, at least? I know those two aren't necessarily, you know, similar players, but it's like, how do you not go to the junkyard dog? How do you not go to the guy who is not going to back down? He's going to get physical and just give him a shot. Just see what happens. Uh, as you mentioned, great defense against Luka earlier. The Celtics game is what everyone's always going to turn back to. It's like, you have to give him a shot. I will be very disappointed. And this is really... What I think is the most disappointing about the fact that they're down 3-1. If you're going to go down, go down playing the way that you've played all season. Don't completely throw it out the window and try to be something you're not. This team has always, uh, you know, made their money on being a defensive team that throughout the year has struggled offensively. It's not like this is completely unheard of that the Cavs are struggling to score, but they didn't just throw everything out the window every time in the regular season when things went wrong. They stuck with their lineup and they believed in their two guards to pull them out of it. Now, the two guards haven't been good enough. I think we should briefly mention Darius Garland. Uh, that third quarter performance, thank God, because I, I love Darius, but I was getting just a little nervous. Like, this might be a nightmare playoff debut for him, and it certainly has not been what you would have hoped. It's been a mixed bag, but two out of the four games, he's been pretty damn good. He had 23 points, 10 assists, zero turnovers in game four. Uh, Great bounce back game on the road. Uh, Got some of the easiest looks the Cavs have had all series was when Darius was rolling and setting up the bigs. Uh, So I do just want to get. (laughs) Yeah, right. Who would have thought the Cavs are at their best when Darius Garland (laughs) is is running the show and in rhythm. But I definitely want to give him a shout out because things were looking very dark there. And look. I said this at the time and people clown me, 
but it's like guys are going to have bad shooting nights in the playoffs. Like, uh, and the Cavs are going to get blown. Like teams are going to get thrashed in the playoffs. It happens. This is why people clown me. I'll just put it out there. I mentioned that in, I believe game two of 2016, the Warriors won 110 to 77. People weren't going on here and saying, well, maybe they were, but I don't think people were saying Kyrie Irving just isn't ready for it. He's not ready for the moment. No, we understood that these types of things happen. Teams are going to get thrashed. I will push back because that was, that was prime time when people were still in the deli over Kyrie camp. Really? Yeah. The people, people were still, people were still I don't know if I was as active on Twitter yet. So I don't know if I really saw that yet. Yeah, <laughs> I was a, I was a junior in high school for whatever it's worth. <laughs> no, my lunch it, table was not saying Delhi over Kyrie. I'll just say that when you get when you get beat that badly, there's a, there's always going to be those reactions, yeah. and it was especially because yeah. it was like the Delhi over because mm-hmm. Delhi did so good in 2015. But um, yeah. but not to completely derail because it's like when you get beat that badly, there is always something that there's something wrong. And there was something yeah, wrong in that Cavs series 100%. where there's Garland they, shot. Like, Oh, are you talking about 2016? No, I'm just talking about in general, when you get beat that oh, okay. badly yeah. and there was something wrong in the series of 2016 and they mm-hmm. like corrected it. And, it yeah. and there's something wrong here too. Mm-hmm. And it's more than just like, cause this team doesn't, this team doesn't, have high variance with your three-point shooting it's like yeah well if they shoot 40 percent, this team's gonna you know it's gonna blow the doors off of whoever they play mm-hmm. but how many times have they won and you're just like yeah they hit four threes today and they won you know yep. it's like oh yeah. that's that's this team this team finds ways because they're able to still get their guys going to the basket you're still trying to help out on jared allen but he's putting pressure on the rim throughout he's not like you know He's not standing there in the dunker spot, just not able to move. Like they have off-ball action because that's like the whole thing where it's like the Cavs did a lot of really good things. They had a lot of really good sets throughout the regular season that really worked. And it's like they came into they came into Madison Square Garden. They said, "Hey, we're just going to run a bunch of like game three. They said, "Hey, let's run a bunch of like." guard wing screens to get some threes the threes didn't go down and they were like well okay yep. <laughs> we're just gonna do hero ball now and it's like that's where that's where it's so frustrating because it's like the knicks aren't doing stuff to the Cavs that other teams haven't in the past it's the Cavs are not sticking to their game plan they they, they don't trust their own game to beat what the knicks are doing and that's why the knicks are winning <laughs> yeah I definitely want to hammer home the fact that when me and Jackson confidently declared Cavs in five, every single pitfall that the Cavs have experienced, we mentioned, we we talked about, we just felt like there's no way everything goes wrong, right? Like maybe a couple of things. Like I even said a couple of times, I think on the last pod, I even said, it, I was like, they don't even have to win the rebounding battle. Just don't get absolutely drilled. And they're getting drilled. They're committing mm-hmm. an insane amount of turnovers. They're not making any shots. New York isn't making any shots either, but guess what? They're taking care of the other things that need to be taken care of. They're making the winning plays, and the Cavs have just not managed to do it. And so I do. I just want to put that out there that it's not like we – some of the response on Twitter is not worth even acknowledging, but it's like we weren't just like, well, Cavs, I, I'm from Cleveland, so Cavs in five, right? It's like, no, we acknowledge the Knicks have avenues to make this a very competitive series, and they could steal it if the Cavs don't manage to take care of the things they need to take care of. And, boy, they have not taken care of those things. Right, and it's like – 
when we said like the cat like the Knicks could steal the series, it was like under the assumption that the Cavs are doing the things that they've been successful with all season and the Knicks are just getting like, hey man, like Julius Randle's just having an out of body experience or like, hey, like Jalen Brunson's playing his best basketball or hey, like what can you do when Josh Hart shoots fifty percent from three? You know, like things like that. And it's That's like the thing that hurts. Like Randall has been it's not arguably even the worst player on the court. And the Cavs are down three one. Right, it's Brunson like, has been relatively limited. Brunson quickly has been, has been a non factor. Quickly has been the absolute non factor. <laughs> we can't trade for Donovan Mitchell because of quickly, and it's like I don't even see quickly out there. Um, <laughs> like that's it. It's like, like th- that's the whole thing. It's like that's why it's so damning. It's because it's like they're not they're not doing anything that's like above and beyond what they're capable of. I don't even know if the Knicks are playing good by their standards. That's the thing. Like, are are the Knicks playing good? I don't know. Mitchell Robinson's just standing there and they're all doing what they've been doing all season and no one's stopping them. It's That's what hurts is that it's like the Knicks are not doing the things. Like, it, it's not a situation where you're watching and you're like, well, not much has to do about that. Randall just hit eight three-pointers. What are we going to do? Brunson's absolutely killing us. It's like, no, this every single game has been within reach, but the Cavs have not uh, shown a pulse when it matters most. Uh, and again, I want to be clear and give credit where it's due so I don't get swarmed by Knicks fans. The Knicks have done good things. I will say it over and over again. When things go wrong, someone else needs to step up, and they have gotten big performances from Hartenstein. Robinson being the best big on the floor is a huge win for them. I mean, I don't think anyone was really anyone reasonable was expecting Mobley and Allen to just get outplayed the way they have. Uh, Mitchell, as we've mentioned, everyone was assuming he would be at the very least the second best player in the series. Uh, and I don't know if he's been that. So uh, we'll wrap it up here with just a very quick talk about, you know, the road ahead. I think the Cavs have a clear path ahead of them, but it's very narrow uh, coming back from three, one, it's always going to be very difficult, and the Knicks ha- are not going to make it easy. Uh, the fact that you get to play two out of three at home is a benefit. The Cavs are 34 and 10 at home this season, just 21 and 20 on the road. So being at home for two of those definitely helps. I think you also have very clear weaknesses to focus on that we talked about: fighting on the glass, maybe not overhelping as much. You can be in a better position for the rebounds. I think you. <sighs> go back to the game two rotation whether that be putting a core as a starter uh, or just putting him back into the lineup regardless of who's starting uh limit turnovers take care of the ball is going to be the most important thing and you got to make shots because at the end of the day all these issues are issues 100 that they need to address but even with the way they've played if they just hit open shots and you can say the same thing for the knicks but if you just hit open shots all of those get thrown out the window there'll still be things that you can talk about that you want to fix but the series is going to come down. If, if the Cavs want to win, they need to start making some damn shots because there's just it, there's no other way in my eyes if you keep shooting this poorly. Um, not if they keep, you keep shooting this poorly, but I don't I don't think the Cavs need to just become like have an out of body experience from the three point line. No. You don't need like a four for you don't need like a four for six jetty game and like a two for I, three. Day I would just game. like them to score above ninety five. Right, if they it's, can. It's all <laughs> that's it. It's all like 
it sounds stupid to say like, yeah, well, they just played better defense. It's like, well, they are playing good defense. It's like, mm. yeah, but they're not. The thing is, <laughs> they're then they're playing bad defense, and the Knicks are like taking advantage of it despite shooting worse from the three point line. Like that's the thing. The Knicks are shooting worse from the three point line than the Cavs. And so it's like. Anyways, when you talk about like the road back, so I think the Cavs are going to win Game Five, um, just because if the Cavs don't win Game Five, I think very disheartening. Very, I think there's a very good chance JB JB is gone if the Cavs don't win Game Five, and I think you know if they don't win Game Five, things are going to be everything's on the table, um, besides trading like. Garland, Mitchell, or Mobley. I think everything else is on the table if that happens. So I think you're gonna you're gonna get a good Cavs effort there. Um, but you know, like the road ahead, if they did win Game Five and they don't implode Game Six, it's like, yeah, they just, you know, like, do you have confidence in them for Game Six with how they're playing? Absolutely not. You can't win it. How they're playing and how they're choosing to play. They cannot win a basketball game in New York City playing like that. If they decided to play Cavs basketball again, of course they can win. That's why we said Cavs in five, because we assumed Cavs would play Cavs basketball. So that's that's the whole thing where it's like the Cavs are like, I will just say this forever. I don't care what anybody says. The Cavs are a better basketball team than the Knicks. It They have not been a better basketball team this series. That's very mm-hmm. obvious. That's a good way to put it. But, like, they're a better basketball team. And it's like, if they played their standard of basketball, their brand of basketball, it's good enough to win three straight games against this team, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, if they did that, sure. Yeah, the Cavs can come back, especially because you have two games at home. Uh, is it tough? Yeah, because you don't leave yourself any margin for error. You could get, like, oh, well, RJ Barrett went five for eight from three and the Cavs lost by two points. It's like, yeah, a game like that can happen when you're up against the ropes like that. But there's really no reason to believe that they like nothing they've shown us makes you think that they can get back to playing that style of basketball. So that's where it's like Cavs in seven for sure. It could happen. You know, if it did happen, I don't think I would, I think like, coming back against the Warriors is a much more surprising thing, you know, than this happening. But, you know, you just can't really see that happening with how bad they're playing unless things just, you know, the the switches flipped back on to playing Cavalier basketball. It's a very good way of putting it. You know, the, the Cavs, like, listen, people much smarter than you and me picked the Cavs to win this series. I was listening to JJ Redick today and he is surprised that the Knicks have taken it to the Cavs the way they have. He picked the Cavs to win. I was like, you know what? If JJ Redick picked the Cavs to win, I feel a little more vindicated that I picked the Cavs to win as well because they were the better team during the regular season. I know the Knicks ended the year really, really strong and that's important. But like when you look at the whole season, Cavs were better. Now, maybe there wasn't as big of a gap as we thought. I'm giving credit to the Knicks where it's due, but like, this isn't a series where one team is just so much better than the other. It's the four or five matchup. They're, they're basically in the same tier. Uh, and so it's like neither one of these teams should really be thrashing the other one, uh, especially not the way with the Cavs have been playing. It's just like 
you got to play your brand of basketball, man. You can't go out. You can't go down scrambling to be something that you're not. So I think you put it very well. There's nothing that the Cavs have done to give you any reason to believe that if they play this way, they're going to be able to win three straight. That the, any hope of pushing a game seven or even winning the series relies entirely on the Cavs completely turning it around, which maybe isn't possible at this point, but that's what you would have to hope for. Yeah. And it's, it's more than just, hey, the Cavs need Donovan Mitchell. Like, yeah, that would help, but they need a lot of things because it's just, there's so many holes. But one of like, I guess one of the encouraging things is that these holes are very obvious. So it's like, and it's not like they can't plug these holes. It's like, if Jared Allen just stands next to Mitchell Robinson, Mitchell Robinson's not getting offensive rebounds. You know, if the Cavs trust Jalen Brunson, whoever's guarding Jalen Brunson, yeah, he may score more points, but in the aggregate, the Knicks aren't going to score as many points because they're not just getting a million offensive rebounds. If the Cavs ran some type of offense or trusted their bigs to get downhill, they wouldn't be trying to force bad passes or get caught in no man's land so they travel like Donovan Mitchell has like 500 times this series so it's just like <laughs> that's the whole thing you know yeah that's exactly how I would put it I would say the, the path ahead is clear in terms of you know exactly what they need to do uh, whether or not they do it it's gonna be tough to see I think you gotta win game five if you want to enter the offseason with any sort of encouragement like feeling good about yourself in any way you drop game five man that, that seat for JB is going to get hot. Uh, I think Allen is going to be a lot of talks this summer if they lose in five, even if they just lose the series. Allen is already getting kind of thrown under the bus. There's just going to be a lot of things to discuss. So got to win game five, got to show some heart. Uh, whether or not they manage to take it to seven or even win the series, the margin for error is going to be very, very low. So not betting on it. But, you know, uh, the, the, I'll close out by saying this. I wanted the Cavs season to end in heartbreak. I expected it to come against a, you know, a Milwaukee or a Boston or even a Philadelphia, but I wanted better than them. (laughs) Yeah. A team that's like clearly better than them just to be very, very uh, clear with what I'm saying here. I wanted to be against a team where like heading into it, you think there's no way they could beat this team, but then they end up competing, maybe pushing it to five or six and you lose and you enter the off season. You're like, damn, we could have had them. This is a little different, but nonetheless, it still works because if this Cavs team is going to get better, probably won't be through trades. It'll probably be internal growth, as we've been saying. And so it's like, if you're going to spur some internal growth, you want this team to enter the offseason pissed off that they just dropped the ball and that they need to get better in various different areas. And there's no better motivation than losing a series you felt like you should have. Yeah, uh, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if that's if that's the I positive takeaway, it's not exactly positive, but it's it's something to tip your hat to, I guess. It's not. I think that I think that losing the series, even if you came back and lost in seven, I think it's mm-hmm. still embarrassing just because yeah. just because this team is so much better than. Hey, we gave it a good run in the first round, guys. Mm-hmm. Pat on the head. Like that's not what this team is. This team is. You're gonna get a. You're gonna have a first team All NBA guy. You have Darius Garland who played at like a third Borderline team All All-Star. NBA level. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you have Evan Mobley who we both still got robbed for Defensive Player of the Year, and we have Jared Allen. You know, it's like that's not the makeup of a team that's like losing. That should that you're like oh, okay, yeah, they should lose in the first round, and it's not mm-hmm. like well 
you know, the Celtics got a bunch of injuries and they came back from injuries and they were the fifth seed. So it's like, well, what can you do? It's like, no, like this is a team that the Cavs should beat. And with the way the Cavs are playing, I don't think they could beat like, I don't think they could beat the Raptors in a seven game series right now. You know, like that's, or like, I don't know if they could beat the Bulls in a seven game series. Like, that's where the Cavs okay. currently. Are I think they right could beat now. the Bulls. <laughs> Listen, like, but who knows? Hey, what do you, you know, like, what crazy stuff would they would JB try to do to stop Demar? <laughs> they may, they may like triple yeah. team him, and you know, who knows how many offensive rebounds Vucevic will be getting? He's <laughs> living there, you know. It, yeah, but it's okay. Maybe the Bulls was a bit too far. But like, <laughs> I think they would lose. To, like, I get what you're saying. I, I, I get the lose point. To, like the Hawks too. You know, like could the Hawks beat them? Like. If this is the version of the Cavs you're getting, yeah, you know. Yeah. So there, it's, there's it's bad. There's no way to work around it without saying it's a disappointment up front. Even with all the stuff that I just said, it it's a disappointment if you lose to the Knicks in like, the first round. Regardless of if it goes seven, even if it goes seven, you're gonna feel disappointed because it's like, well, why the hell were we down three <laughs> one? Right. If we could have pushed it to seven, it's not like this. This isn't, you know, the Pistons beating the LeBron Cavs because it's like, oh, LeBron just needs to add a little bit more. This team needs to just mm. go through this adversity. It's like, like everything's there. This is this is self-made adversity. This isn't Giannis's. Where you know Evan Mobley's like, hey, I'm not big enough to guard Giannis. It's like, no, like we're getting punked by Mitchell Robinson standing in the dunker spot and nobody near him. You know, <laughs> like that's what's happening. We're like, we don't know how to execute a double team that's like that like that's like that's what we just we just forgot how to basketball (laughs) right like so it's like i don't like that's where it's like what are you what are you learning you know and that's that's the most disappointing thing maybe you're learning that like hey we got to stick with what god is here like we all need to mature or like we all need to like it's just it's dark <laughs> like really yeah. like that's basically I mean, hey, like i don't know we all like, looked at we all looked at this as like it's going to be a learning opportunity for the Cavs. i don't think anyone was expecting a title run you just wanted them to get some playoff mm-hmm. experience and five games of playoff experience is way you know it, it's too too it's not enough i'll just put it that way we all expected at least if not two series at least six or seven games in the first round and it is just not where we wanted it to be if this was the 2022 Cavs and you're getting you're getting in the first round mm. and you're just like, hey man, like we're so happy, happy to, to be, be here. here. This is <laughs> yeah. this is why we're here. Like if they if they won that series and they played the Heat, like the Heat would have won in four. That's a learning experience because it's like, oh, this is playoff basketball. Yeah. This is what needs to happen. Like that's like the Cavs. This is one you gotta you gotta squeeze a little more juice out of this first round series when you're the four seed. <laughs> your favorite entering it but, right like uh, this is yeah it's 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 an embarrassment really like that's really <laughs> it all is, it comes it down is. to and there's they, a lot of embarrassment to go around you can blame jb if you want you can blame donovan you can blame whoever you want but it is what it is plenty of stuff to fix uh whether it be this series or moving forward they have some holes that they need to really take a serious look at uh but jackson we're at 59 minutes. We're about to do it under an hour. Might be the first time we've managed to do a podcast in under an hour. And Maybe. I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listening. John, we know you're out there. Uh, thank you to anyone well, who actually makes it to the 59 minute mark. 
yeah hope, hope you enjoyed you the lamar stevens yeah. detour <laughs> <laughs> and uh please hit a like button subscribe leave a review uh we really appreciate it jackson thank you and go calves i agree go calves <laughs>